Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everybody, to the 87th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. Today, we're going to talk about all things empathy and why you should care about empathy and what you can do as moms to increase empathy in your teens. Empathy is on the decline in our culture, and we're going to look at why. How does social media impact empathy? We'll look at questions like, what's the evidence that people can learn to be more empathic? We will explore self-empathy, empathy to others, and empathy to our planet. We have a special guest that is highly knowledgeable around the research and science of empathy and also has practical advice for you moms. Lena Zarki is the author of The Empathy Advantage. She's the executive director at KidsBridge Tolerance Center outside of Trenton, New Jersey, a nonprofit organization dedicated to fostering bullying prevention, anti-bias, diversity appreciation, empathy, and empowerment strategies for youth. She is a tireless advocate for improving the lives of at-risk youth and communities across New Jersey. Azarki has won many awards and her articles have been published both in newspapers and academic journals. She is a frequent speaker to parent and teacher groups, corporations, and major educational conferences. So welcome, Lena Zarki. Thank you. I'm happy to be here in Texas. Yeah, yeah. And you're in New Jersey. And I'm in New Jersey, so... So I know this is going to be a great conversation. And well, first of all, I love your book and it's a really new book, right? So when was it published? Um, it was supposed to be published in November and here it is October and it's early. So, you know, that's great. You know, I, um, yeah, it came early, actually. Nothing comes early. So <laughs> I'm, I'm really uh, delighted to have it so that, you know, the whole pre-order thing, like you order a book, you'll get a book. So that's pretty cool. Yes, yes. So your new book is called The Empathy Advantage. I've looked at your book. I've read parts of your book. Haven't read the whole book, but I can tell you uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. And so can you tell me a little bit about why you decided to write it and why now? Well, um, I actually have been trying to write the book for 15 years and 15 years ago, recognizing in the Kids Bridge Tolerance Center, because I am director of that center in um, New Jersey, we teach um, in the 18 years, we've taught 30,000 youth in diversity, appreciation, bullying prevention. And so it's a learning lab. And 15 years ago, I, I just get it. Like empathy is job one. Empathy is the foundation for kindness, respect, social emotional skills. And, and I had to validate it. So I looked around for research, very, you know, research informed. This is not my opinion based on research. And there actually was very little. So I said, okay, I'm going to uh, measure that empathy can be taught. And 
hit hit the brick wall with naysayers. You can't do that. You can't teach empathy. And I decided that I, I was going to do this. So um, on the kids that came into the center, pre and post surveys to teach empathy through different empathetic activities, conversations face-to-face. And we started measuring a statistically significant improvement in empathy. So, aha. And so that's my major <laughs> message to moms today of any age. Yes, your, ch- your children are born with a, an amount of empathy, a little, a medium amount, or a lot. But you can raise that level. And what's not to like? Like there are so many benefits for the family, for the parents, and for kids of all ages. So yes, empathy can be taught and you can teach it and it can be fun. This is not like a a grueling kind of exercise. So I think it's timely with what is going on today. So that's been my journey. I wish I had written the book 10 years ago, but here I am. Well, I think it's actually the perfect time for the book to come out, actually. Uh, so how would you define empathy? Uh, and can you tell the, can you define the difference between like empathy, sympathy, like where people can get confused? So I do have a chapter on that um, that drills down for those people who really want to understand the difference between uh, effective empathy, cognitive empathy, um, it's also defined as walking in someone else's shoes through the ages. And I, I, I have a little history on the definition of empathy. I mean, honestly, you could ask what is empathy to 25 different people and you'll get 25 different answers. Right. Mm-hmm. So empathy, as opposed to sympathy, I think empathy is more active. Empathy is you are walking in the shoes of another person. Sympathy is more like, I feel sorry for that person. So this is how we scaffold empathy. And scaffold is an educational term. You want to build it. So the way the Kidsbridge system is empathy, I'm breaking it down even further. Empathy for yourself, which we call Mm. self-compassion. And you get there through a mindfulness. So empathy for yourself that you have, you treat yourself like you would treat your best friend. Start there. So parents need to start, I think, with that. That's job one, that children. And, you know, we have kids that feel, I, you know, I want candy, I want dessert, I want another hour of TV. But I'm talking about a child that is able to advocate and feel kind to oneself. The next level would be empathy for others. So I think you could have arguments with psychologists. You know, you start with one, start with the other. You could start with both at the same time. But it's really that you feel for yourself. You take care of yourself. You're not perfect. You can make mistakes. I wish I had learned this early. And then Mm -hmm. on top of that now, with this foundation, okay, you know, I'm I'm a good person. I'm worthy of respect. I'm worthy of not being bullied. And upon that, oh, well, that child is being bullied. You know, maybe I can figure out a way to tell an adult what is going on there. That child is sitting alone at a lunchroom. Maybe I can do something, you know, to to have the agency to help that child. So for me, empathy is the feeling. And there's, I don't know if I can pronounce it. Like, uh, I I don't think I can. I should spell it. Did you see Einsleslung or something? (laughs) I'm embarrassed. I should not have pronounced it. Next time I will, but, but it is a, a definition could be fellow feeling, but it is not sympathy. It is more actively. And, and you see, I, I break it down into the two steps of empathy. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, I really like that. Um, because 
you probably can't, you, you need both, right? You just can't have one of them. Well, our goal is to create kind, respectful children and human beings in a better society. And so if we just feel for ourselves, it's not enough. We have to feel for others. We have to welcome others. Um, in the Kidsbridge Tolerance Center, we're trying to get children to be active, to feel for others, and then act upon it, right? So the, the dramatic examples I give you, exclusion, bullying, cyberbullying. Um, to pivot a little bit, we live in a bystander society. Our children are bystanders largely, and adults are largely bystanders. So we have the concept of upstander. You stand up and speak out. That's built on a foundation of empathy. I mean, mm. how can you act if you're not feeling for that other, you know, that kid, that peer, that adult? And so the the, the foundation of my book is really, yes, you can teach empathy and this foundation of kindness and respect benefits the family unit, benefits the community. It really benefits us all. And so what I'm asking parents is that we care about all the children, right? Yeah. Not just yes. our children. So the kindness respect creates a, I care about others. And, and that's what this book is, is attempting to do, to help parents on this journey of teaching their children to care about, of course, the family, of course, supporting each other. Um, but to care about others. Yeah. So um, I think one of your titles of one of your chapters, or anyway, you talk about why should you care about empathy? So why should you care? That's, that, that's sort of the foundation of my book. Why should you care? So especially if you look at the challenges today, I'll take yeah. this topical, COVID. Empathy can be used. Well, let me tell you what's the opposite of empathy. Social distancing, quarantine, <laughs> isolation. It's really the antithesis of empathy. So why should we care about empathy? Because we should care about the stress the doctors and the nurses and the first responders are, are on. We should wear a mask. It shows empathy, not for yourself, but for others. Um, it should be to support teachers. Oh my God, teachers are so stressed today. I mean, who is not stressed today? The kids right. are stressed with remote. The parents have to learn to be automatic teachers. That's very stressful. So in this very challenging time of COVID, kindness, respect, and empathy, you know, really travels far. You can go a mile in someone else's shoes. So I think it is like instead of, I call it finger wagging, you should be nice. You should, be, I'm waving my finger for your audience. <laughs> you can't see it. You should do this, you should do, do that. We don't give the tools to teach children how to be kind and respectful. And, and what I have learned over the last 15 years from the research and from teaching children face-to-face, -face, empathy really is the foundation for that. Another reason why you should care about empathy for your family it will improve your family's culture and climate. It will improve your, and I'm asking you to be more face-to-face, -face, put the cell phones done. It will improve the kindness and respect and support. Oh my God, families need to work together. So limiting the media time, um, role modeling, um, nature, get out of the house, you know, safely, of course, with activities that you can use empathy strategic today to create a warmer, kinder, more supportive family unit. I mean, 
Overscheduling, right? That probably doesn't exist anymore. Take this is a special time. Take the opportunity and the benefits of empathy will accrue. The last why today and why empathy today, and I I think you you get that, is with Black Lives Matter. Let's take this opportunity to talk about black and brown children, black and brown families. We always forget about Native Americans. I think one of the highest COVID rates was on the Navajo reservation. And so acknowledging that we are on Native American land and maybe reaching out and helping Native Americans on reservations or you know Native American institutions, school. I mean, that they really are ra- have been ravaged and continue to be ravaged. So let's talk about this with our kids about the people who have less than we have. So what is the benefit to the family about caring about others? You're gonna raise kids who are kinder, more respectful. And here's the kicker, kinder and respectful kids make better teammates from research. They make better leaders and they do. They are more successful. Ultimately, kids with empathy are more successful. So what's not to like and about empathy? <laughs> Would you say that empathy is on the decline in our culture? So I would say that because I've read it in the research. Now, unfortunately, we really, I would like society to treasure empathy more. But one of the things that got me going on my passion to embrace empathy research and write this book was the research I saw. It's research from the University of Michigan, Dr. Sarah Conrath. I mean, and and there are some other studies, but she really was pivotal to show that empathy is precipitously declining, precipitously mm. declining. Um, and why is that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you to task, Colleen. Why would you <laughs> guess, you know, for, for kids today, and I think this was, she was measuring college students, but then of course it would apply to high school and get worse as we go down. So why is empathy declining? Well, I would think social media has a lot to do with that. And indeed it does. Okay. (laughs) So, um, you know, kids can't see, like I can't see you now, Colleen, because my phone is in my face. So, you know, stories really are dramatic. So two or three years ago, I went into a luncheonette and I saw a father that I know who travels a lot. He's never in his home. And he took his son out to lunch. He's never home. They were both on their phones. Mm. Mm. And I, I wanted to take their picture, but I did not because <laughs> it was just such a symbolic, tragic illustration to me. Like they're at lunch, they should be talking to one another. <laughs> so empathy declining, social media, we're losing our face-to-face time. Kids, I think teenagers are more on media than they sleep. There's some sleep deprivation going on. Uh, Media itself, meaner, cruel from the model shows that zoom up on the model's face who's not chosen and she's crying. (coughs) Excuse me. America's funniest videos. I used a module for that to teach kids in the Tolerance Center. Um, People fall down. Grandparents fall down. Animals are hurt. And there is in the background, you hear two things, a laugh track, and you hear funny, happy music. 
We're conditioning our children mm-hmm. to laugh at and at people being hurt. So we we will drill down drill down in the activity in the tolerance center. So we are training our children to be not kind and not respectful. Like it's it's shocking. So let's learn from this. This is a teaching moment. Parents, choose for your children when you can. Teenage years, it's a little tougher, right? What media you're watching? What are your children learning from it? They are learning. And here is an an ultimate point. Because in my books, I have points and suggestions and tips and activities and resources and books and websites. Turn it off or, or watch the whole show. You know, I'm not going to tell you what to do. And then look at your child and bring your significant other, your spouse, and discuss what you've just seen. America's Funniest Videos. Was that person really hurt? Did they go to the hospital? I don't know. If your grandparent fell down, would that be funny? No, it wouldn't. Why are we in this house laughing at mean and cruel? It's a very easy thing to digest. Um, So I'm encouraging more discussing face-to-face. It's not rocket science. You read a book to your child. You want to read a half an hour every night. Read 25 minutes, stop, close the book, look at your child, discuss. And there's a lot of empathy prompts in the book. What did that character do? What would you do in that situation? Was that character mean? Who could have helped that character? Just these discussions of empathy, kindness and respect to get your children thinking about, well, I wouldn't do that. And that was mean, and that was bullying. And how did that girl feel, the new girl at school sitting alone at the lunchroom? So you can write your own prompts. You can write some of the prompts that are in my book. But we just have to discuss with our children and listening. I'm I'm sure uh, many of your parents listening know about active listening. Really put the phone down, look at your child, and then sort of you know, keep your hands down and you want to model them physically, right? So focus, calm, active listening. And there's so many active listening books. I have a chapter on active listening, but it's something you could probably just, you know, search for on the internet. Yeah. I mean, this is great. This is great. Um, And I know you had mentioned the golden rule in your book. And uh, so it's interesting. I had, I had an eighth grade girl come in and you know, drop dead gorgeous, kind of was a literally a prima donna, a uh, very good ballet girl. And uh, what happened was she was confronted by all her friends in the bathroom and they all told her how mean she was. And she was mean. And talking to her, she had no concept about the golden rule. She thought And I think this is socializing our kids. If she is the best, if she's like the prettiest, the best dancer, the best in school, then everybody will be her friend. And she was shocked that they weren't and that they were mad at her. And she just had no idea if she's mean to them and sends sends negative texts and all that, that they would be mad at her. That, That blew my mind. So, um, sadly, bullying is regarded as cool today. And where does that come from? Just watch the media, right? Bullies are cool. Bullies are scary, but they're cool and they're respected. They don't like the bullies, 
but bullying is cool. So these kids acted like upstanders, right? They weren't bystanders. They got together and they did an intervention for this child. So they're doing this girl a huge service. So in the Tolerance Center and, and other people teach bullying prevention, it's not a bully. It's a teen who bullies, a child who bullies. They are not a bully. That is their behavior. It can be changed. So what they did was, it was an epiphany for this, this young girl. Now, we have another adage in the Kidsbridge Tolerance Center, little bullies grow up to be big bullies. And they do. So what a service to her that now she can take a step back, be kinder and respectful. She's, she's not perceived as she thought she would be perceived. So there are, and this is a long discussion, but social norms where this child thinks that she's cool and people like her. And then like all of a sudden she finds out the social norm is that kids really, they don't like bullies. But the thing about social norms is we don't educate our kids on the social norms. Bullying is um, a very good example. I'll, I'll just lean to sex. Like kids will think everybody in middle school is having sex. But when you actually do a survey and you find out, you find out very few kids are having sex. But there's these social norms for, I guess, from the media sort of whips it up that you, and here's a great opportunity for a parent. Figure out what the social norms are for your child in middle or high, high school, discuss them and figure out what's really going on. Like for me growing up, everybody was smoking. Well, not everybody was not smoking and doing drugs. A few people were. So kids feel pressured by social norms that don't really exist, which is why as parents, we need to get engaged and talk with our kids about uh, these subjects. I think a lot of parents are nervous to talk about um, race and other topics. So here's parents start young. Racism yeah. and bullying starts at three years old. Wow. Children three years old recognize in-group versus out-group. Bullying, it might be modeled in the home or there's natural tendencies. It's so much easier to have these conversations. You can use literature and books at four and five years old. Don't start talking to your kids in middle school. I mean, if you haven't, start talking to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. If yeah. you have kids that are young, a child four and five years old is already noticing differences. Yeah. Or some, you can read my book or other books, have conversations with your kid. They will prize and regale this face-to-face -face time because it makes them feel important that their, their opinion is valued. And it, it, it really, it's an investment in a successful child. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I've been thinking about as you talk, just even kind of going back to your definition of empathy, I think, and, and you're, you're talking about this, but this just hits me really hard. We've been socialized to not feel for people, right? We're just, we've been socialized to not feel, not feel, not feel. So that really scares me, but that's sort of the nail on the head. We are, empathy is dropping. We are teaching our children to build walls around themselves. I have seen, for example, in a movie theater, when we could go to the movies, little yeah. children in these R-rated scary movies. After a certain point, a child overwhelmed with negative media, scary, mean, cruel, they're going to build walls around themselves. 
So a child, like I'm very empathetic. So as a child, you have to build walls around yourself to, to protect yourself. So yes, we are now with this overwhelming, and I hope parents are, are monitoring the media in their house. And again, if there's something that um, they don't like to um, discuss it, right? To discuss it. And you might find out your yeah. five-year-old was terrified about, you know, a certain movie or even a book could be scary. I don't know. But, you know, I just watched a couple of Disney movies and they're like, gee, and like, there were parts of the, the movie that were scary for me. <laughs> I don't want to name the particular movie, but okay. So you go see a Disney movie and maybe the mother died or the father dies because that's what happens in Disney movies, but discuss it and process it with your child. But yes, back to your original Colleen question, for protection, to survive, I think now more than ever, and we have the scientific proof empathy is dropping, children are building walls around themselves. And you might not realize it because from day to day, but maybe your middle schoolers are not talking to you because they're building these walls to protect themselves. Maybe, you know, bullying rampant in the school, or maybe it's media, or maybe there, there's a clique they used to be in. So you have to protect yourself. Yes, protective walls and and um, they can come out of them, but you you really want to be your your kid's best friend and be less judging and more listening and sometimes not even to offer advice. Uh, we found we know from the research sometimes parent to child just listen, which of course is hard for me, right? I always want to give advice. <laughs> I would do that differently. And the uh, the cool thing about my book is like I wish I had my book when my kids were little. I yeah. honestly, I would have done a lot of, of different things. I would have. Yeah, yeah. So I know you, you t what we're talking about are, are some of the barriers to empathy. And I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. Like in the selfie generation, like we're all selfie, 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 selfie. Do you think that Im impacts empathy? Well, I'm just thinking back to empathy and gender. So my own daughter, who I hope is not listening to this, um, you know, this, this, we have to be beautiful and eight years old going from mirror to mirror because all her friends were doing it. So for females, this devaluing of the brain and the overvaluing of, you know, the beauty and, you know, my, my worthiness is related to how I look. I just had a conversation with a, a, another young girl about like curly hair was not cool growing up, right? I used to iron my hair and burn my head. So this was another curly hair, haired young woman. And she's like, everyone has straight hair and straight hair is the, you know, American beauty. So like what we do to fit in and conform. So um, I forget your, your question now, Colleen, I'm sorry. That's Well, I just, just uh, kind of, we're in the selfie generation that selfie. everybody's Yes, so with empathy dropping, guess what's rising? Narcissism. So this is scientific. This is not my opinion. Narcissism is increasing. Um, we're not doing much better with little girls today. What they see on TV and the over-sexualization and the clothes and the media still. Um, girls, I think minor gains in science and math but we, we definitely need to do a better job of that. Yeah. So let's move on to um, 
some science, the science of empathy. And I think it would be great. I was so touched by that story of Jane Goodall and is it Wanda? Wounda. 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 Wanda is Wounda. Oh my God. Like if you want to watch a video to make you cry. Yeah. So can you tell them, tell them that story that you had in the book? About Wunda. So, so Jane Goodall, for uh, you, you should know, is a primatologist. I think she's in her 80s and still working. She, as a young woman, was the first woman really to work with chimpanzees and uh, in the jungle would sit and watch and record and, you know, became um, treated as a family member in some of these chimpanzee troops and watched, you know, mothers and uh, the nurturing and uh, the social groups and, and wrote many books on and, and many videos on chimpanzees who are our relatives. And so Wunda, I think, uh, you know, they, they bring in, you know, the habitat loss. So they bring in a lot of um, wounded, funny Wunda maybe for Wunda, but wounded chimpanzees and resuscitate them and then release them back into the wild. So I think Wunda was that particular, a mother, and she was in um, the center and they rehabilitated her. And of course, the goal for a wild animal is always release. So Wunda was ready to be set free and she's in the jungle and there were like five people there and Jane and they opened the cage and Wunda comes out and Wunda's like, oh yeah, this is where I used to live looking around in the jungle and then she realizes, okay, I mean, this is like, I'm getting chills as I say it. She looks around, she sees Jane who rescued her and has an intimate bond with and comes to Jane and hugs her. Mm. Mm. And it's like, and then of course, Jane hugs back and like, you, you guys can Google this, you know, online and see. And then mm-hmm. Wounded takes a look and then takes off and then she's back in the wild. Like, oh mm. my goodness. So mm. that, that, you know, the empathy there that Jane Goodall, mm. years, a young woman living in the jungle, established these relationships. And as you know, we are wildlife, many, 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 many species we're, we're losing and um, are threatened. So this woman made such a difference in, um, you know, saving chimpanzees. So another thing, if I could segue is empathy for the planet. Please teach your children. There's so many books, um, high schoolers and uh, middle schoolers of all age, that kids treasure our planet, our oceans, the creatures, and, and reverse this loss of mammals, amphibians, primates. We really need to do a, a better job in, in, in feeling for the earth and its creatures. So empathy is uh, sort of how I end, end the book with, let's make the world a better place and, and, and have our younger kids and older kids do something. We need uh, a whole generation of kids that are gonna do a better job with the earth than, than we have done. I love that. I love the empathy for the earth. And I was also struck with some of those stories is like, if the, if this is intuitive to animals to have empathy and we're losing that as human beings, that's, that's kind of scary. That is so interesting. I never thought of that as diametrically opposed, but yes, and uh, elephants have empathy Dolphins have empathy. Um, vol- I have a, these voles in the field have empathy for each other. So 
where, and you know what? I just heard something about octopuses, octopi, that this man established oh. a relationship with an octopus and like, Yes, wow. it was on uh, Netflix. It was a very oh, powerful see, I, video. I have to see that. So like, um, you know, primates for, you know, teach your children about chimpanzees, so much empathy, gorillas, the family unit, um, orangutans, gibbons. I mean, there are many animals around us that you'd be surprised have empathy. So I encourage um, from a very early age, have your children learn about wildlife animals. I mean, baby animals, what's not to like, right? It doesn't have to be dogs <laughs> and cats. Teach your children about the other animals on our planet. Yeah. So can you tell me, tell them a little bit more about some of the science around em empathy? And I, I love mirror neurons. I love the whole thing about mirror neurons. But uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I'll start with a story. So babies in the hospital, when they hear other babies crying, they might start to cry. I mean, this starts really early. So wow. mirror, mirror neurons are a biological um, part of us in the brain, uh, mirror meaning like reflecting. So we're built as animals, as physical human beings to reflect what we see so that when a baby hears another baby crying, that sort of gets, you know, processed in the baby's brain and the baby feels, I don't know that a baby feels empathy, but the mirror neurons are reflecting what they see. So that a mother, it could be a gorilla, it could be a human that with mirror neurons, it helps us reflect and the baby's in distress, the baby's crying that we are their feeling becomes our feeling, right? So that is, it's a scientific, biological, and I've read this probably in 10, 15 studies that we are born with mirror neurons, which biologically is, I think, our foundation for empathy. So the moms listening are probably wondering, can you really teach a high school kid or a middle school kid to be empathic? And I know you said that, Kind of we're born into the world with different levels of empathy, but what can moms do to help increase empathy in their middle school or high school kids? So it's never too late. It's never, never too late. And we all know how difficult, you know, middle school is. So, you know, middle schoolers are starting to separate and, you know, mom and dads are not cool. So here's a suggestion. Have an empathy, have a family meeting of empathy, include the whole family and make it fun, and it's 20 minutes. Oh, uh, uh, you know, you don't want to scare that middle schooler off, right? Because you're already not cool because you have a middle schooler, right? <laughs> so you can, um, you know, start with an icebreaker, make it fun and cool. I think, and then again, the younger you start this, even in middle school, that you share your week, how you're feeling, and you go, and everybody has a, has a turn. You can discuss conflicts, um, in a peaceful, calm way. Um, discuss media that you've seen, the media discussions I made where you discuss what's really going on and, and how they're processing uh, the disruptive world we live in and the contentiousness and the, those sorts of things. You could have a book club with your middle schooler, read the books that they're reading in school or select um, you know, a book that you want to discuss. You can watch videos together or documentaries together. Um, 
there are different kinds of empathy in middle school to teach your child. So let's look at different types of empathy. Historical empathy. Make one week historical empathy week. What happened 20 years ago, 50 years ago? Um, I use Native Americans a, a lot in my book because we, we have not taught the true history of Native Americans. So have a discussion about you know COVID at the highest rates in the country at the Navajo reservation. Why is that? Um, a lot of these people, Native Americans don't have running water. Like what is that like and why is that so? And some of the history of that. Another category is multicultural empathy. And of course, look at, you know, with Black Lives Matter, let's talk about, let's walk in the shoes of a black and brown person. Are there black and brown people in their school? What is, what is that like? So you can look at that. Of course, you know, there's always empathy for the earth. And then um, social empathy is really the interpersonal relationships we have day to day. Of course, you know, one of the best books is uh, R.J. Palacio's book, Wonder. I mean, for middle school, like, if you haven't read Wonder, please read Wonder. Um, so discussions of drill down different types of empathy. And another very useful tool I have in my book is the family media assessment log. This is very easy to do. The kids can self-report or you can do it for the family. What are they watching? What types of media are they watching? And are they watching it with you? Are they watching it with friends? Um, is the media violent? Is there profanity? Discuss these things. Do not be afraid to discuss with your kids. And then the last thing, I guess, is um, it's you can make it fun role-playing with your middle schooler or high schooler. Um, situations that they encountered. Of course, with COVID, we're all sort of like more at home, but it could be a situation online. They see someone is cyberbullying someone else. They feel a teacher was stressed and rude to them, like discuss um, what is going on in their lives and then use empathy prompts. How is that teacher feeling that she can't be in a classroom and she's blah, blah, blah. How is um, your friends are in conflict? So with your discussions, use empathy, right? How is that person feeling? What would you do? What would you do differently? Can you join with a group of friends to, like they, the intervention you mentioned? So um, it's never too late, elementary, middle school, and um, there's so many things you can do. Don't forget the act of listening, and I would also teach children the language we use in the Tolerance Center. It's not a bully. It's a person who bullies. It's a person who's a victim. Um, and why, why are they acting like this? So you have that wonderful example of the girl who was just, she thought she was being cool, but nobody liked what she was doing. So right. like, look at that. I mean, you can, even in middle school, be a friend to somebody who's excluded or you can, you know, stop a person who bullies with these kind of intervening behaviors. Now, here's the, the rub. Practice, 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 right? Kids all day in school, they're practicing math skills, science skills. We don't take the time as parents to practice social emotional skills. So yeah. I've got yeah. this situation, mom, blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's role play it. And let's role play when you do that, you know, uh, John might say A, he might say B, he might say C, like a telephone script, practice 
the response your child might get so that they know how to pivot when the conversation doesn't go as planned. Let's say the conversation or the they're trying to help, it blows up in their face. Discuss it, what went wrong. I mean, you can't fix everything, but you're a partner with your child in listening, in um in partnering and trying to figure out solutions together. Don't tell, in middle school, you can't tell your kids what to do. You couldn't tell my kids what to do, right? <laughs> At seven, my daughter. Oh. <laughs> so I would, and I, this is, those are all really great ideas. And I'm going to add a couple of them. Sure. One of the big foundations of my work is that mom is the model that you want your your kid to aspire to be. You model empathy. You you talk empathically about the disabled kid or the black and brown kid or the the, the kid that's different. Or you talk about empathy and and let them see that in you. Uh, I think is one thing. And then and I also think um, having your kids exposed to different kinds of kids. It's like uh, my daughter was exposed. Um, her dad taught, uh, you know, kids who were uh, had Asperger's and autism. And so she hung out with those kids. Wonderful. And so she, she has a big heart for kids who are who are maybe different in that way. Um, I think service projects, you know, going um, handing out food to those people who need food during COVID or the, uh, you know, you know, live in Houston. So we're, let, let me add something to that. Let me, yes. add an yeah, yeah, yeah. Prompt. Okay. Yeah. Donating food. Like we did this in the tolerance center. I had kids come in and make sandwiches for our local soup kitchen. And I measured empathy and before and after guess what? Nothing happened with the empathy. Why? I didn't make the kids walk in the shoes of someone who is hungry. It's not enough to donate food. It's not enough to make sandwiches. You need to have conversations with kids so they can process. What is it like to be hungry? What is it like when your mother and father are stressed today with COVID? Do they pay the electric? Do they buy food? Do, you know what I mean? That, you, that parents need to take the time and teachers to process the empathy of what to walk in a person who has, you know, who's moving around because they can't pay the rent. They don't have food. They're waiting in line in, for the soup kitchen for food and they're humiliated. What does that feel like? Have those conversations. It brings the whole donation to life. Empathy. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. And, and you know, because I talk to parents a lot about the undeveloped prefrontal cortex in, you know, in teens. And that is the part of the brain that that needs to be reinforced. So modeling to them about perspective taking, like you said, that's another way to say it is. Yeah. It's walking in the shoes. It's the perspective taking of another person. Exactly. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been fabulous. Is there anything else of advice, wisdom that you would want to share with the moms listening? Well, just to reiterate, you know, resources, tips, fun. I mean, the book is sprinkled with action tips, sort of 
you know, facts and did you know. I, I'm trying to make it fun and engaging. I know parents are stressed and, and thin and teachers are stressed. Just do what you can, but you can do something. Just give it, you know, take a look. Uh, if you could buy the book and just pick and choose like a menu, what you want to do. Um, if you can't do 20 minutes a day, do 20 minutes a week, make it fun, interactive. There are books for you and resources for you. Um, you can do it. You can make it fun. And, and again, the benefits to your children to prepare them to be kinder and respectful, which society needs. And yes. ultimately, when they interact with people, they will be kinder, more respectful and more, more successful because they have those strong people skills and those strong interpersonal skills. You know, we, after COVID, need to get back to that face-to-face. -face. So this is uh, what I have learned and what I wanted to share with parents. That's so great. So where can they uh, get the empathy advantage if they'd I'm like to so buy the book? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you can Google. It's, uh, the book is called The Empathy Advantage, Coaching Kids to Be Kind, Respectful, and successful. Uh, my website, where there are other resources, and, and you can learn some of the other things that I've learned, is uh, empathyadvantagebook.com. That's my website. So you can order from there, um, or you can Google it, whatever is easier for you. But um, thank you. All right. That's so great. And I am sure a lot of people will be wanting to reach out to you either through your website um, or the That'd book. And I'm here to help. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Lynn. I know you're busy and thank you so much for your time. So nice to meet you. I hope we'll stay in touch. Okay. Bye-bye. Right. Thanks, Colleen. Be safe. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and give Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my best-selling and award-winning book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, A Guide for Mothers Everywhere. You can find that and order it online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And you can always find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.